Welcome to That's Good Sports. I am Brandon. This is the last NFL draft video until next year's draft is held from Aaron Rodgers' basement, where you will find Packers GM Brian Gutenkist hogtied while Rodgers drafts eight wide receivers and a tackle perna. That's right, we're entering the unknown NFL waters of the offseason. But fret not, I have the rejected Madden covers episode coming, and I will be doing an offseason review for each division whilst keeping up with any relevant NFL news that comes down the pipe. Like, who the hell is going to give Cam Newton a chance, and whose house will Tom Brady break into next? Today, though, is all about the AFC West and how each team's draft helped or indifferent their ability to dethrone Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes as kings of the division. Whew. That's good sport! This is your daily NFL podcast of That's Good Sports. It's football that's good. The AFC West. Now, I'm sure Raiders, Chargers, and Chiefs fans are all very well aware of the perfect draft grades the Broncos have received from the draft world. I'm not even talking about the A's either. I'm talking about that one singular C grade from Mel Kuyper. If Mel thinks Denver did mediocre during the draft, it means they fucking nailed it. Also, every time I say the Broncos drafted this guy, everyone's heart stops for a split second as they think I mean Joe Burrow before realizing it's center Lloyd Cushenberry. Now after getting guys like Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, a big reason the Broncos shot up to the top of the draft grade collective is due to late round selections like guard Natani Moody and edge rusher Derek Tuzga in the sixth and seventh rounds. Now Moody could be steamrolling dudes by the end of 2020, just like 2020 has steamrolled all of our dreams. And the best way to replace Derek Wolf was to just draft another white dude named Derek. Now, another reason, though, the Broncos received so many draft grades of A is because you need a fucking PhD or a degree in orthopy, 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 which ironically I'm struggling to pronounce, to pronounce the names of most of their selections. If you learn to say the names of all of the Broncos draft picks, you will boost your IQ by 20 points. The opposite of what happens after you talk to a Raiders fan. Now the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders received a collective draft grade of C to C minus. The way I will grade each team though is by the amount of fear their picks put into my heart and more importantly, my testicles. Henry Ruggs, the Raiders' first pick, is the most dynamic of the big three receivers along with Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb, but the only knock could be his production at Alabama. He was never the number one guy. He had Judy, uh, Devonta Smith, and Jalen Waddell, four future first rounders, all attracting coverage. Ruggs had just 40 receptions for 746 yards last season at Alabama, but had 19 yards a catch, and eight of his 42 touches last year went for touchdowns. One out of every five times he touched the ball, he scored. That's a higher scoring ratio than Joey had on friends. Another credit for Henry Ruggs, just one drop last season. That's what sets him apart from the pure speed guys that were drafted high like John Ross or Ted Ginn and uh, Darius Hayward Bay. 
Ruggs has the hands to be a complete wide receiver and become a reliable option as opposed to a novelty. 19th overall, Damon Arnett, Ohio State corner. This was definitely an overdraft for the Raiders, but still somehow not as bad as Cleveland Farrell. So it's not going to get made fun of like it should. Much like on Arrested Development, this is an Arnett who needs a good supporting cast to thrive. Sure, he's good if he has Jason Bateman, David Cross, Jeff Okuda, or Sean Wade around him, but if you put him on an island, he's probably going to struggle. Round three, they grabbed Lynn Bowden, wide receiver slash running back slash quarterback Kentucky. Now Bowden plays pretty much every position and he might have to, as John Gruden forces him to become a Mormon and eventually the Raiders version of Taysom Hill. Quick survey, who do you think will get more gadget quarterback snaps in 2020? Lynn Bowden or Jalen Hurts? Next, round three, Brian Edwards, wide receiver, South Carolina. So another wide receiver for Derek Carr to check down to Hunter Renfro to. Also in round three, Tanner Muse, safety Clemson, another hard hitter at safety for the Raiders that'll probably immediately injure himself as he contemplates the proper pronunciation of salmon. Salmon or ser- salmon? Salmon. 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 Round four, John Simpson, guard Clemson. Definitely not the most famous Simpson currently residing in Las Vegas. I respect Mike Mayock's strategy of waiting until the college football playoffs to start scouting for the draft. Round four, uh, Amik Robertson, cornerback, uh, Louisiana Tech. Three days ago, I didn't even realize Louisiana Tech was a real college. It just doesn't feel like a high-tech state to me, so sue me. Anyways, I have no idea who this guy is, but Pro Football Focus called him a dog in a complimentary way and said he plays like he's six foot ten, which is a terrible size for a football player. Honestly, if I were an NFL player, I would not want to be called a dog. Mike Vick, anyone? I demand to be compared to the Sparkle Muffin Spider. The Sparkle Muffin is what they would call me, the prettiest spider that will seduce you with an athletic dance and sheer beauty before killing you with its venomous bite. Sparkle Muffin. Really what it boils down to is we've seen enough football from Derek Carr to know who he is. A pretty good quarterback who had one very good season, but probably not good enough to be a consistent playoff threat. John Gruden and Mike Mayock have made their picks with the riches from the Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack trades, and I think at best they're still a 9-7 and football team. Then we've got the Chargers, who received a collective draft grade of B. And we learned general manager Tom Telesco would have taken Tua had Miami drafted Herbert. So basically, whatever quarterback fell to them. Classic Chargers. Who should we make the next face of our faceless franchise? Uh, whoever falls to us, I guess. Doesn't matter, we're the faceless, man, now. How much do their picks worry me as a Broncos fan? On a scale of nine, in honor of the Rivers kids, to 20, I would say 11. The Chargers decided to follow up two decades of Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers with Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert. I get the feeling that they wanted to, uh, but were not comfortable jumping the Dolphins to get him. I am actually heartbroken that the Rivers era is over in San Diego slash LA. Justin Herbert has no kids that I know of, does not lend himself to bad poetry. If anything, he seems like he enjoys good poetry as an academic All-American certified book nerd. 
The Chargers then traded the 37th and 71st pick to select linebacker Kenneth Murray, Oklahoma at 23. Now, Murray is a high character guy and a leader and probably good at football as well. I would advise against taking my defensive players from the Big 12, especially when Patrick Queen was still on the board at 23. Now, LA did not pick day two because they gave those picks away for Murray. In round four, they selected Joshua Kelly, running back UCLA. Kelly apparently kept calling UCLA over and over and over again until they let him onto the team. Stage five clinger, better watch out. The Chargers' last three picks included a couple of wide receivers, Joe Reed from Virginia and KJ Hill from Ohio State. I will rest easy knowing Denver got the better KJ, but I think both can be good NFL receivers. KJ Hill is a lot like Hunter Renfro, but with athletic ability, and he is not aging faster than Robin Williams in Jack. My prediction for the Chargers is they will continue to have the most talented roster that cannot win consistently. Their best chances at success are if Tyrod Taylor starts bawling his brains out and Justin Herbert remains on the bench. Then we have the Chiefs, who received a collective draft grade of B, but arguably had to do the least to maintain their level of dominance in the AFC West and NFL. How much do their picks worry me as a Broncos fan? A lot, because they could have skipped the fucking draft and still been fine. The Chiefs are house poor, though, signed two New York Giants in free agency in Antonio Hamilton and Mike Rimmers, a.k.a. Von Miller's plaything, and then made a massive mistake in releasing punter and longest-tenured chief Dustin Colquitt. Sorry, Kansas City, but when Denver released his brother Britton Colquitt, they have yet to make it back to the playoffs, and the same thing's going to happen to you. The Chiefs' two highest-paid players in 2020 are Frank Clark and Tyreek Hill. But that's fair, as most of their money is going to legal fees. Oh, and thank you so much for the timing here, Bashad Breland, who was arrested in South Carolina on five charges consisting of resisting arrest, transport of alcohol in a motor vehicle with a broken seal, open container of beer or wine in a motor vehicle, possession of 28 grams or less of marijuana, and driving without a license. Which, all of this occurred at 1.26 p.m. Given he was in South Carolina, and I don't know what the fuck there else is to do there except get high and drive around, I think most people would just call this a Tuesday, but Breland is saying that the cops set him up, framed him, done him dirty, so we will see where this story goes. The Chiefs took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire running back with the 32nd pick of the draft, otherwise known as the negative first pick of the second round. Now, Andy Reid said that Edwards-Hilaire is better than Brian Westbrook which guess what? You should be able to be better when the defense is giving their attention to Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, McCole Hardman, and Travis Kelsey, as opposed to Freddie Mitchell, James Thrash, and Todd Pinkston. With those wide receivers, I don't blame Donovan McNabb for throwing up all over the field. Pretty amazing Andy Reid had success in Philadelphia. Clyde Hellraiser is probably going to be a nightmare to defend when paired with Damian Williams in the backfield, who is also in a contract year. Then the Chiefs took Willie Gay Jr., who once punched his own quarterback in the face during bowl week. I wouldn't mind him keeping that trend going, if I'm being completely honest. And it's pretty cool to see the Chiefs' front office grow up right before our eyes. Graduating to guys who only assault teammates instead of, you know, women and children. Gay also got suspended for cheating on a test. 
which moved him up the Patriots draft board significantly, but they got a little too focused on Justin Rowasser's uh, intangibles. That's that kicker guy they did. Now, all kidding aside, Gay does improve a very weak linebacking group for Kansas City and is a great coverage linebacker. Willie Gay Jr. was also in my best named players episode, as his name translates to homosexual penis in my father's name, in my father's name. Speaking of amazing names, I do not know how I missed Vicarious Bopeat Keys on the list of best draft names, but it was a terrible oversight on my part, especially given that it is Will's cousin. Now, Legarius Sneed, also very strong name. So at the very least, the Chiefs get an A for great player names. KC also added offensive lineman Lucas Nyang in the fourth round from TCU. Defensive back Jarius Sneed, fifth rounder, LA Tech. Edge rusher Michael Dana, fifth rounder out of Michigan. And again, Lil Bo Pete Keys, cornerback Tulane in the seventh. That's four defenders and two offensive uh, need slash depth pieces. A very practical draft for Kansas City. In summary, the Broncos won the draft, which is equivalent to buying yourself a world's greatest dad mug and believing it every time you take a sip of your morning coffee, even though your kid is in prison. If True Lock fails in years two and three, it won't be for a lack of weapons, though. Everyone says this is to keep up with the Chiefs. I think this is for the 14 other fucking games every year as well. Tied at second place, I'm going to go with Chargers, Chiefs, and Raiders. Seriously, instant draft grades make no sense, and we won't get a sense of who did well in this draft until a couple years down the road. I think we can all agree that the Raiders don't understand the concept of value, which, if KJ Hamler turns out to be more productive than Henry Ruggs, will be something I never let Raiders fans forget. The Chiefs spent a first-rounder on a running back when they proved last season they can throw a street free agent into the offense and watch him almost win Super Bowl MVP. He probably should have, too. I think they're always going to be better served going defense, offensive line, or possibly taking Chris Jones' eventual replacement. Please let Chris Jones leave Kansas City. And the Chargers don't really need to be kicked anymore. I don't care for the Justin Herbert pick. He might turn out to be good. It would have been a lot more indefensible had Tua still been on the board, which he was not. My guess is they tried to trade up for Tua, but the other teams wouldn't budge. That's not really their fault, but they ended up with who most people agree is the third best quarterback in the draft. So, AFC West? We'll just be happy if football happens come 2020. Let's be fucking honest. Salmon. Thanks for watching another episode of That's Good Sports. Please. Remember the last episode I did that? And you guys said, oh yeah, that's why I subbed for the blah. Trying it again. If it works, if I get a million subs by Monday, get more of this. This is your daily NFL podcast of That's Good Sports. It's football that's good.